Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Wow, I am back. And it's been a busy, crazy summer. In this program, I'm going to share with you some stories from my recent trip to the Franciscan University of Steubenville, where I left off not one, not two, not three, but four of my kiddos. Yes, indeed. And had some just great adventures and some, I think, interesting stories, but more importantly, some insights about how to have a great semester that I'm going to share with you today on the program. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are such a good and loving Father, that you do love us so much. And in Jesus' name, we have access to you, Father, to your heart of love, to your providential care, to the guidance and protection that you constantly offer to us. I pray that each of those who are listening, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my brothers and sisters who share this common humanity in this moment in history, that, Father, each of us would know and encounter your providential hand of guidance, provision, and protection. I ask, Lord, that you would stand with us at our point of deepest need. I ask, Lord, that you would open to us a, 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 an expectant faith to receive from you graces that are undeserved, gifts that are unexpected, graces that are unasked for, but that you know we need and that you would delight for us to have. Father, help us to encounter your delight today. I do pray in a special way for moms and dads who's, who have had kids head off to college or head away from home, and they're at that stage in life. I pray, Lord, for tender mercies for their hearts, and I pray, Lord, that you would also grant them a sensitivity to the call that continues, the call to continue, even at a distance, to provide provision and guidance and, and protection in, in the ways that are available to us in prayer and in communication. Please, Lord, help us not to, to forget that. Help us not to uh, ignore that. And Lord, we do pray for the mighty ministry of our guardian angels and for our family guardian angel and each of our kids' guardian angels that we ask and we pray and we, we also pray with authority. Please be released to exercise the fullness of your mission and ministry in our regard and in our kids' regard. Yes, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this has been a, um, a different summer for me in a couple of ways. Um, the first has to do with my dad's declining health. 
Um, and so I know that a few weeks back, I was letting you know that he had entered into hospice at home, and he continues. Uh, beyond the expectations of doctors, he's lived this long, though talking with my siblings uh, in uh, today, uh, they were letting me know that he has continued to slow down. Even in the, a week ago when I was there, he has slowed down significantly more and um, is is getting closer to death. So I do appreciate, again, any prayers that you would have uh, for, for not just my dad, but just think of the fact that my dad can be representative of the loved ones that are part of the lives of this um, family of, of listeners uh, that have loved ones that are near to death, that they would also be close to God and that they would be uh, ready, that they would have a happy and prepared for death. That's what I pray for all of, all of your loved ones and mine that are near to death, that, Lord, that they would be happy and prepared to meet you. Uh, but then uh, in the midst of all that as well, I had eight of my nine kids at home. And uh, it was really an amazing summer. When Carrie comes back on, um, maybe not this Friday, but in probably a, in the next week, she was taking the summer off uh, just because of all the kids being at home. Well, we are now in a brand new circumstance. It's It's like the last time we were in this situation was in 2003. What am I talking about? We haven't been in this situation since, uh, let's see, um, I think the last time we were in the situation was, yeah, in, in, in 2003. Namely, we only have three current kids at home. So that's right. Our six oldest kids are all out of the house, and five of them are in college, and one of them is in beauty school. And yeah, <laughs> uh, it was a week ago. Yeah, it was almost exactly a week ago that we had eight kids in the house, and now there are three. <laughs> and so in this past week, uh, my oldest daughter headed back to school at George Fox University. She's a senior, finishing her degree in English. And then uh, my second daughter, uh, is second child and daughter, Anne-Marie, is in beauty school. She's about halfway through. She finishes in December. Very proud of her. Uh, she is... Her, her best gifts are not academic, but she has identified a skill set, things that she's uh, good at and passionate about, and uh, helping people uh, appear beautiful. And so learning how to cut hair, cosmetology, uh, nails, eyelashes, all that stuff, uh, makeup, and she is uh, really enjoying it and is finding her place. And so to, to be able to help help her and encourage her along that way, is definitely part of us, Carrie and I, trying to be good parents. But the the big the big tada really was that we had four kids uh, heading off to Franciscan University. The our third child, Mary Catherine, is is starting her junior year there. But um, we have three incoming freshmen, and they're not triplets and they're not twins. So that was a huge discernment. A huge discernment for Carrie and me. Uh, our fourth daughter, Ariana, she was the one who did a year on missionary work. And so she finished high school a year ago, then did this year on mission, and was in Swaziland, Romania, and Guatemala, serving with Adventures and Missions, along with about 40 uh, other young people her age, and is 
It's such a, a powerful means of grounding kids in their relationship with Christ, grounding them. Their sense of identity and purpose are found in, uh, in, in their relationship with the Lord. And their life on earth is connected to their identity as children of the Father because of Jesus and this Holy Spirit living in them. And their ultimate purpose on this earth is to fulfill the God-given mission for which they were created, which in part means salt, light, and leaven in this world to proclaim the gospel in whatever their state in life, but as single young people to learn that they can be stripped away from comfortable situations and be stretched to go forth and only be in these locations for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of proclaiming Jesus Christ. We just really value that, Carrie and I. We value that when you finish high school, you're not just going into 13th grade. That college isn't just 13th grade, but away from parental guidance and involvement. And so we discern and walk with our kids in discerning, like, what what should you do when you finish high school? Are you ready to go right on to college, or is that just going to be 13th grade? I think you get the idea, right? But 13th grade without um, the presence of parents. And so it can be... Uh, let's say just less than noble, less than holy, less than profitable in these kids' lives. And I think that there's a sadness that there are a lot of parents who will maybe harken back to their own years and just say, well, here's a chance for the kids to kind of sow their wild oats or let loose or, uh, you know, have all those uh, fun and wild experiences of being off at college before they settle down for a life of, of work and drudgery and probably getting married and having a family. So this is the, you know, the, the time to, to go a little wild, right? So unfortunately, I, I, I see that that's sort of the, uh, the default setting for some parents, that that's just what's going to happen. Um, but I, I come to the table with a very different lens, and the lens that I come with is from doing church ministry work for, well, since 1989, and having spent so many years giving talks at conferences and parishes and retreats and uh, to adults and uh, in different settings where parents would come up to me, now parents whose kids are finished with college, and you know what I'm going to say because you've heard me say this quite a bit uh, in, in the past years, is the biggest pain in their heart, the number one hand-wringing uh, painful uh, look on the face question that comes out of these folks that are in their typically in their say, say their fifties uh, or older is I raised my kid in a Catholic home we never missed church sent my kid to Catholic schools got him involved in Catholic stuff and then off they went to college and when they came back come to find out they're no longer practicing their Catholic faith they're no longer identifying as Catholic. They have lost their way when it comes to faith in God, and they show no signs of interest in religion or faith, or if they do show signs of interest, it's more in spirituality rather than in religion or in some other non-Catholic Christian setting where they have somehow discovered the real meaning of faith. And, and the pain on their hearts, and actually, frankly, these days it's 
uh, it's less and less that. It's more and more that they've become nuns, right? They're no longer identifying with any religious tradition, or they're duns. They're just done practicing any religion at all, and they're done with God because they, upon reflection, have identified it as something that was oppressive and not very life-giving. So it's just this pain in the heart. What, what more could I have done? What did I do wrong? Where did I fall short? What, what happened? And then there's this real anger. There's this sense of bitterness about what happened at that supposedly Catholic college. That somehow at that Catholic college, it was the place where they thought their kids would be able to finally stand up in an adult way of live, living their faith and come to find out that, in fact, they've lost their faith. And so I think one of the uh, one of the responses to that has been the rise of this Newman's Guide to Catholic Colleges, which attempts to identify for parents colleges that are authentically Catholic, principally focused on the concept of orthodoxy. Are they teaching... Um, the orthodox and, and full fullness of the Catholic faith, or are they falling short and settling for less? Uh, do they have teachers that have all the signs of being orthodox in their presentation of the Catholic faith? And, and then there are other signs of, say, institutional policies and, and stances associated with living of the Catholic faith. And that, that I'd say, is definitely like one of those indicators or phenomena that show that showed up to speak to that that increased vigilance that parents have had around, well, where should I send my kid um, so that they won't lose their Catholic faith? Well, for Carrie and me, this is an incredibly pressing question that you know gets traced back far before college. It definitely includes college. But it goes all the way back to your high school years, and now even younger than that. Again, if you're in the state of Washington, because of the the heinous and demonic uh, transgender ideologically formed uh, comprehensive sexuality education policy, which is a tragedy and a travesty and, and a distortion of authentic human sexuality, and it's just destroying the the innocence and the and the uh, way of, of looking at sexuality of so many young people now, sponsored by the state. It's just a, it, it's a, it's a horrific thing that is happening and, and destroying the lives of so many young people today. And, and so, you know, here we are as parents, and, and what do we do about that? How do we find a, a safe haven? How do we find a place where our kids can be formed in a peaceful and fully Catholic setting? And, um, sadly, again, this isn't, I don't want to repeat stuff that I, I've said quite a bit on the, on the radio, but your, your default position, like what your standard operating expectation is that a self-identifying Catholic school is not going to nurture the Catholic faith of your child, that it is much more likely statistically percentage-wise, that your child is going to lose their faith in a Catholic school than is going to grow and nurture and become more fervent in their Catholic faith in that particular high school. That should be the default setting, and meaning, um, you know, here I am, I'm walking my kid into your school, and I want to understand 
the spirit, the ideals, the atmosphere, the culture, the policies, the the, the families, and, and their uh, statistical involvement and practice of their Catholic faith, and let me see the fruits. Where are the fruits in terms of the, the kids and the family's involvements in the parish and in, in their lives of faith? And the default setting is that your school is not going to aid my child in the growth of her or his authentic Catholic faith unless you can prove to me that you're different. You Prove to me that you're the exception and not the rule. And I can tell you, I can describe to you in one word uh, a school that will be the exception rather than the rule, uh, rather than the, um, yeah, rather than the rule. The one word is classical. If you're sending your kid to a classical Catholic school, doesn't have to be like an officially identified one with the with the diocese, and in fact, more often you're going to have a, a better chance of success if it's not fully integrated into the diocese. But a classical Catholic school, a classical school in the Catholic tradition, is the best chance your kid has statistically to actually grow in their Catholic faith while attending that school. I know that's a little bit depressing, but there's a lot more to this story. I'm up against a break, though. When we come back, I'm going to continue on, because I'm going to get to Franciscan University in just a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. All right, back to the program. This is Tom Curran, and I'm going to share with you some stories here about why I'm so excited about my time at Franciscan University and what I saw there as a beautiful sign of hope, but also a confirmation of what I refer to as a sort of current expression of the Benedict Option, a current expression of the Benedict Option. And uh, I, I said that the word classical is a key to finding a a Catholic school or a school in the Catholic tradition where your kids actually have a uh, have uh, a, a the best chance possible for being in a culture that's authentically Catholic that has a spirit and ideals that are in accord with our Catholic tradition and uh, and there, there's a reason why you don't stumble into a classical school families choose Catholic, uh, classical schools uh, in the Catholic tradition. They, they're intentional. That's the word. They are saying, I'm going to make a commitment. I am determined to do anything I need to do to make sure that my son or daughter in the tender years, the vulnerable years, the fundamentally formable years of their time in high school to be able to encounter an authentic and fully Catholic way to grow in their high school years. Do you want that for your son and daughter? Do you want that for your son and daughter? And then the question is, well, of course I do, Tom. Well, what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to sacrifice for it? What if it takes driving an hour to get there? What if it takes uh, paying a little bit more intuition to be able to get there? What if it means actually having the uproot move to be able to be near a school like that? 
All those things apply. Those are things that you'll encounter when you encounter a, an emergence of a classical school in the Catholic tradition. Uh, and and I, I, every, every, every one of these schools that I've seen have these marks. You, you, the, the fundamental attribute of these schools is that you have families who are very intentional and determined and even courageous or heroic in making efforts to live out their Catholic faith, and they make sacrifices to get their kids to be in these schools. I mean, I see it firsthand, right around me, right? So the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame here in Spokane, right? This is a bit of an outlier because you have the, the support of Bishop Daly, the rigorous, vigorous support of Bishop Daly and Father, uh, Father Connell, who were at the founding, supportive and encouraging and uh, c- keeping the school connected to the diocese, which is a beautiful exception, a beautiful exception. And, um, and so it's flourishing, right? In, in, a, in its fourth year, it's already one of the very largest Chesterton Academies in the entire nation. I think it's probably the, it's grown to the number it's had uh, in the fastest. Uh, I think it's a, it's just over 100 students in, in the high school, right? It's a high school, so it's in these four years. That's stunning. That's stunning growth. And, and it's also a sign, I think, of what's happened in terms of families being drawn to this part of the country. Uh, being drawn to the Spokane Coeur corridor, you see the families that are showing up here uh, or showing up at Chesterton. There's a there's a bunch that are homeschool and co-op families that have worked long and hard and really were at the founding of the Chesterton Academy. And then you have a a big chunk of families that moved here. Uh, they moved here for the Chesterton Academy. They moved here for their kids in high school. They moved here precisely in order to say, we'll do whatever we need to do, but we want our kids to flourish in their Catholic faith come what may. And then you see efforts like this happening in the Archdiocese of Seattle, right? So you have the Aquinas Classical Academy in Bremerton, and again, a couple of courageous laywomen who said, we are desperate to have a school like this for our own kids and for other kids who are not willing to settle for clever Jesuit uh, anti-Catholic but in Catholic uh, spirit uh, approaches to living the faith that are undermining uh, authentic Catholicism in the name of being a self-identifying Catholic school. So, so sad. And then just watching the the cavitation in authentic Catholic faith in um, in Catholic high schools. Uh, in uh, the archdiocese, it's, it's it, again, it's it's a travesty and it's a tragedy. But then you see what's happening at a place like the Aquinas Classical Academy, and thanks be to God for a priest like Father Lappi, who's um, already brought so many of these elements of a classical education in the grade school, and then letting that blossom out into a supportive connection to this uh, this classical uh, Catholic high school. And so praise be to God for that. And, you know, there are families, again, that make great sacrifices to be able to have their kids attend that academy. And then I see it in, uh, again, you know, less than, what, about 30 minutes away from the Chesterton Academy over here, you have Court of Christ. Uh, again, another academy in the class in the uh, classical academy in the Catholic tradition in Coeur d'Alene. And, you know, here they are opened up and they're at 50 kids, right? 50 kids in their second year. Holy cow. And it's saying something. It's a phenomenon. You know, it's a phenomenon that says you have intentional families who are going to say, I'm committed, even if it means courageous, heroic decisions to have my kids 
be put in an environment that's going to best set them up to flourish in their Catholic faith in their high school years. So, um, uh, and I think there's also the plans for another Chesterton Academy in the Archdiocese of Seattle. And uh, I think of um, Emerald Heights Academy, another uh, that that has been, a, again, a, a private school in the Catholic tradition that's been operating for uh, over 20 years, I think 25 years. And again, you you see the theme. And that theme is like, how do I provide a hedge of defense around my kids? How do I help them be formed and strong so they can be salt, light, and leaven in the world? But even with all of those efforts, and again, not everyone can do that. So there are a lot of families who just choose to take a step back and say, you know what, we're going to figure it out online with the homeschooling options. We'll figure it out out of the t- traditional systems, and we'll do um, co-ops. And so there are two very active co-ops in, in the area where we live. And when we first moved here, we were involved in both of them and met so many wonderful families at the um, St. Thomas Aquinas Homeschool Network uh, here in Spokane Valley and then the St. Michael's uh, Homeschool Co-op uh, in Coeur d'Alene. Again, just wonderful. And then at the grade school level, you have the Cabrini Co-op. Uh, they, these, again, were, have been wonderful options for families who uh, are not— uh, or maybe I'm not able to afford or, or feeling like the choice for uh, uh, the institutional uh, forms of, of schooling are not going to be their best choice. And so they blend homeschooling and co-ops. And I know that there's also, again, um, uh, efforts like that in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in, on the west side, uh, in, uh, in the Puget Sound area. And again, I, I'm not trying to tap into all of the the solutions that are out there by name but uh you get you know you see the point emerging with increased clarity unless i'd make a serious effort or even a heroic effort my son or daughter will not be self-identifying and living their catholic faith by the time they finish college that's the likelihood and there's still, and even with all of that, there's no guarantee, right? Not, not a guarantee. So what about college? What happens after high school? And the answer is, again, remember now the pained look on the faces of so many parents who have come up to me uh, after these talks over the last 30 years. What did I do wrong? What did I fall short? I thought it was going to be safe sending them to this ident- self-identifying Catholic college, and that's where they lost their faith that, you know, the Newman Guide is a help, but gotta be, you've got to be discerning. Where am I going to support having my kid go to college? I have to be, again, very engaged in working with and walking with my kids to be able to help them make the right decision for their college years. And that becomes just as crucial as the grade school as grade school years, junior high years, as critical as the high school years is going to be what college your kids are attending. And so Carrie and I talked to lots of parents sending their kids to a lot of those schools that uh, you'll find in the Newman Guide, right? So the, the bigger ones would be like Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ave Maria University down in you know southern Florida. I think it's in Naples. You have uh, Benedictine College in in Kansas. You have uh, those those are probably the big three. And then just 
kind of maybe next tier down. You have University of Mary and I think it's in North Dakota and Christendom and uh, Western Virginia. Uh, those are probably the, the next larger ones. And maybe yeah, Thomas Aquinas College right down in L.A. And then below that, you again have another tier of smaller, even smaller Catholic colleges, like maybe Wyoming Catholic or uh, Magdalene uh, College or St. Thomas More, two tiny colleges, Catholic colleges in, in New Hampshire. Um, and so you, you find colleges like that that are out there. But um, as we... Oh, yeah, and then University of Dallas, right? So you have a, a theology department uh, that is very strong, um, but it's part of a, a bigger, you know, wider campus. And, and again, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be exhaustive here, but those are the ones that you, I, we most often would hear about. But for us, it was just, it came down to really like a no-brainer that we wanted for our kids, Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, in part, Carrie was a graduate, in part because... Um, she has just, you know, been able to track, especially through her friends that she studied with, how many of them ended up getting married, having large families, and were sending their kids to Franciscan. And the stories that she would get back from them, not perfect, not perfect, but really amazing in terms of education. But then even more, you know, as solid as you get this passionately Catholic, uh, you know, dynamically Orthodox university with amazing faculty like, you know, Scott Hahn and others, is the kids. It's the kids coming from these families that is, is where the real power is. And, you know, you've got all these kids coming from these families. Remember now, what are these words? The intentional these families that are being intentional about raising their kids in Catholic homes, in, in Catholic environments, coming from Catholic educational settings, sometimes homeschooled, sometimes co-op, sometimes classical schools, uh, sometimes, again, private Catholic schools, where they were intentional about living their Catholic faith with other families in those same environments. They're often not the biggest Catholic schools. They're often not the, again, the more traditional concept of an open, uh, an open approach, a Catholic school that's open to anyone who would come. Come on in, and we're here to evangelize you because you will be entering into a Catholic environment only to find out that the great majority of the kids coming in overwhelm the Catholic student body that's there because the Catholic student body that's there is often not coming from intentional practicing families are not enough to outweigh and overcome the influence of the anti-Catholic spirit that is sewn into their lives through the internet through the digital world. And that's the spirit that invades those halls. And so you have that spirit, that atmosphere outdoing out and overcoming the authentic Catholic spirit that the much smaller number of intentional Catholics that are in those bigger Catholic high schools are just uh, washed away or they have to duck and cover or not be as engaged because that Catholic, fully Catholic approach to life is just not it's not the dominant culture and atmosphere in the halls. So now it was time for me to see for myself. When Carrie flew out there two years ago with Mary Catherine, she came back with stories that were just so excited. She was so excited to share about the prayer, about the quality of the kids, about connecting with the families that she had gone to school with and just was confirming 
uh, some of the things that she had heard. So now it was my turn. And so we were going out there, as I mentioned to you, with three freshmen, not just one. And I already mentioned one of them was Ariana. She had graduated a year ago, done, done missionary work. Well, the other two, the other two were able to finish high school early. So that one finished a year early and the other one finished two years early. Yes, that's right. So they had been studying at the Oaks. Uh, You've heard me talk about the Oaks. It's a classical Christian academy here in the Valley, and they're very rigorous academically. And they actually are kind of a year ahead in terms of the the content of what they were studying. And so uh, between that and then the number of credits that they had, uh, and that was a combination of not only the high school credits, but also some homeschool credits from their time in the co-op and during uh, COVID, that they had sufficient number of credits to make it to college and be accepted, which is amazing. <laughs> so then it was a matter of how do we discern having a, then what would now be a junior and a senior in high school, both heading off to college a year and two years early? Well, there was a lot to discern there. For me, the biggest pain in my heart was the idea of losing a year and two years of having my two sons under my fatherly care and guidance and formation. And it was only when I was able to say the best way for me to be a father to my boys so that they would be formed and shaped would be to entrust them to the college atmosphere and environment at Franciscan University, that I wasn't avoiding, ignoring, or abdicating my fatherly role, but I was fulfilling my fatherly role, that they would flourish more as Catholic young men and grow as Catholic young men at Steubenville, not under my roof, than they would if they remained here going to the Oaks. That's quite a statement. Well, everything that I've seen so far in the days that I was there in orientation and now being back, I was completely blown away. How specifically? I'll tell you on the other side of the break. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. So I flew out to orientation with John Mark, John Luke, and Ariana, three incoming freshmen at Franciscan University. And uh, when we got there, you know, they, they do the, like a lot of the welcoming types of gatherings. And, and one of the things that immediately we found out was that Franciscan University is, yeah, is in very rare air, in fact, is the only Catholic school of its size and its range that is actually growing in numbers. That even with the demographic challenges that many colleges are facing with the rise of online schools providing alternative ways and less expensive ways to study where you can stay home or go to um, uh, go to a community college for a couple of years and live at home and save a bunch of money off of tuition uh, and seeing uh, you seeing this dwindling um, numbers of students at uh, really across the board at Catholic universities, and Franciscan University is the only school facing the opposite problem. Where do we put all the students that want to come here? And so for the third year in a row, they've set the record for the number of incoming freshmen. And so my three are, uh, they put them over the top. I'm just kidding. Uh, my three are part of the largest incoming class of uh, freshmen uh, in the history of Franciscan University. And 
it was amazing to see almost 800 freshmen together with at least most families had at least one parent there. Often there was two, and sometimes you'd even see the, you know a bunch of the siblings with the incoming freshmen. And I got to tell you, just having a chance to see these kids interact with them a bit um, and watch my kids meet these kids and interact with them. Kids are young men and women. It was just so beautiful, so refreshing, so life-giving. The attitudes, the way these kids were able to look each other in the eyes, have like good, wholesome, enjoyable conversations. But beyond just like those kind of impressions, it was things like when we had mass and the reverence, the singing, the responses, the way that these students received Holy Communion. Like I talked about that phenomenon at, you know, at St. Mary's where we're most often going on Sundays and you, you have a statistically significant number of parishioners who will receive from the priest, not from lay people, but from the priest, and will receive kneeling uh, and receive communion on the tongue. That that's a phenomenon. Well, guess what? It's a phenomenon at Franciscan University. I tell you, it was probably the most common posture of uh, all the students when they were walking up there was the number who knelt and received on the tongue was first or second. And if it was second, it was second to kids who received on the tongue. And then the least common were kids who received in the hands. Um, so, uh, it, but it, it's more than just a gesture. It was more than just a gesture. Like just for instance, after mass ended, they processed out. And the song ended, and it wasn't everyone started just chit-chatting or, or processing or walking out. No, people knelt down. People knelt down and made an act of thanksgiving after Mass. And it was more than just five seconds. I mean, it was like 30 seconds, and then a minute, and then people started getting up and, and walking out. And that just, like, where does that happen? <laughs> where does that happen? And then the culminating thing on, on Sunday was an hour of adoration. An hour of adoration. Are you kidding me? And it was, oh no, this was on Saturday night. Sorry. Saturday night, there was an hour of adoration and the procession of the Blessed Sacrament around the, the field house because uh, it was filled. Again, it was like 800 kids plus, uh, you know, the parents that were still there. And to watch these kids sing the praise of God. Watch these kids with their hands stretched towards Jesus uh, as he processed. Uh, Father uh, Dave Pavanka, the president, was processing um, with the Blessed Sacrament around and blessing. The, the devotion, the authentic devotion, it was like better than a Steubenville conference. But at a Steubenville conference, you end up having youth groups go, and there's a lot of kids that are just hurrah, you know, grumbling in attendance. No, this was, these kids were dialed in. These kids were, were there. It's just amazing, just incredible. So it it was a it was a great consolation to me, and confirmation to me of my discernment to say I'm willing to take the risk of uh, prudently and thoughtfully to have my kids go to Franciscan University, even finishing high school early, to do it. And again, it was the combination of the fact that my boys would be roommates. They would have 
two other currents with them to support and encourage and hold each other accountable. And it was happening at Franciscan University, that they were all together at the university. And it dawned on me when I was there that Franciscan University has become the Benedict option for Catholic families. Let me say that again. Franciscan University of Steubenville has become a, a, or if not a, the Benedict option for Catholic families for their college-age kids. And by that, what's again, what's, what's the Benedict option? Rod Dreher wrote that book, and he was, Benedict refers to either St. Benedict of Nursia, the founder of Western monasticism, or Pope Benedict Sixteenth. When he was Cardinal Ratzinger, he wrote a famous essay that essentially, this is my characterization of it, was saying before the new springtime comes, there's going to be a new winter. Before the, the blossoming of Christianity and a new missionary age and an era of peace, there's going to be a time of stripping down, a time of winter, a time where the vitality of the church is diminished and diminished and attacked and diminished until you have these islands of believers. These islands of believers where people are making choices to come together with a greater sense of density coming apart from the settings where they're in because those settings are toxic and and deadly to faith. So let's come together and let's live our lives more intentionally, more completely, more fervently, more courageously when we do it together. Even if we have to uproot and move away from other places, we are going to group together because that's the way for us to live out our faith as salt, light, and leaven in this world, and not just hunker down and hide from the world. And so anybody who has teenagers will be able to verify that we are living in an age where the dominant worlds, worlds, more than one world, the dominant worlds in which their teenagers are living are not conducive to faith. Because the primary world for many teenagers today where they're living is not the real world around them. It's the digital world. A phone is not just a piece of technology. A phone is a portal into a different world. It's the virtual world. It's a digital world. It's not a real world. But in that virtual digital world, kids are connecting, connecting together, but they're connecting through platforms that leave kids vulnerable to anxiety and depression and self-harm and uh, just tremendously negative impacts physiologically, spiritually, relationally. And, And in those worlds, they're having formed in them, washed over them, sewn into them, a whole anti-Catholic spirit. And that's the dominant world of so many teenagers. And then many of these teenagers are also living in, when they get out of that digital world, they're living in an environment that is not conducive to Catholic faith. Their friends, their neighbors, their teams, their their classrooms, it's not a full flourishing presentation of Catholic life that they are immersed in. And so when if that's the the battle that that you know parents get that if you're an empty nester if you're older you don't get it you don't get it you might hear about it you might hear about the complaints of your children and your grandchildren you might feel sad about kids always on their devices but you don't get the true seriousness of the challenge that parents face to raise kids in faith today and so that seriousness gets translated beyond the high school level all the way to the college level and the more that that happens 
the more that places like Franciscan University are going to continue to set records year after year after year. Because the word is getting out, and it's going to get out further and further. These other schools are good. These other schools are solid. These other schools have a lot of some, a lot of those same features. But the total package of leadership, teachers, um, the, the legacy of students, the history of students who now have grown up, gotten married, had kids, and are sending those kids back to this school, along with families that are coming to these schools from, like, the Chesterton Academy Network, from classical schools. They're realizing that Franciscan University is an incredible landing space for them. And you know what it does? It just builds the culture. It makes it that much more powerful. It makes it that much more full and complete, which makes it that much more magnetic to draw more families to it. Franciscan University of Steubenville, an incredible sign of hope for our time and a continuation of the Benedict option beyond neighborhoods, beyond, beyond high school level, all the way to the college level. All right, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So in this last segment, I want to share with you the advice or counsel I gave to my kids on the final morning, the final morning that we were together Sunday, um, got up early, took them out to breakfast, and then I handed them a handwritten page. I wrote it out five times, one for each of them, one for me, and it's entitled, Have a Great Semester. And I said, have a great semester, not a great year, because the idea is, if you have a great first semester, you're going to be laying the ground, the, the foundation, the, the creating the habits for having a great school year and school career. So it's not have a great four years or even have a great year. It's essentially get launched well. Get launched well. And so I had three, uh, four principles, four principles that were in the upper corner of this page, and it was be intentional, right? There's that theme again. And they've heard a lot from us, um, my four kiddos, they've heard a lot about this in our home, um, you know, being here in Spokane Valley, but then even for their lives, talking about that. So that's, you know, you're going to set some goals and you're going to figure out the path to get to those goals. That's being intentional. And then the second one was choose the hard easy. You've heard me talk about that. And I said, kids, what does that mean? They said, if you choose to have it easy now, it's going to get harder. Choose what's difficult now and things will get easier. I said, that's right. That's building virtue. Face the difficult. Do the difficult good. It'll get easier. Third, ask God for help. It's not easy to be intentional, to keep your eye on the ball, and to choose to do the hard thing, especially when you have a lot of temptations around you. So ask God for help. And then my last one was make and keep commitments. Make and keep commitments. Don't every day start having to make choices. I'm going to make the choice to do this today and then make the choice. It's like if you're going to fast, choose to fast for the whole day. Don't say, I'm going to fast for breakfast, and then maybe I can make it through the morning, and then let me choose again to fast at lunch. Because if you're just constantly making choices, it's draining. It's difficult. Just make and keep a commitment. Well, what commitments should you just make and keep? Well, I broke it down into six different categories. There's the personal, the spiritual. There's the schoolwork. There's the working out. There's the working. And then there's the friends categories. So I'm just going to share with you what I shared with them by way of guidance for them to set themselves up for success. 
set yourself up for success to have a great semester. So the first was personal. And honestly, I got this from Franciscan University. One of the presentations they made um, had to do with sort of student success. And believe it or not, it was eat well, sleep enough, and keep your room clean. Make your bed is what they said. And so I put that back down to them. And I said, eat well. And then I put in parentheses, don't drink and smoke. And here's the thing. My kids don't smoke. But this summer, when these kids were having a special occasion, um, we had let them take out a cigar to smoke with their friends. And there just happened to be several of those occasions this summer. So I'm like, guys, I know this summer you had more access to cigars because you knew you had enough to college. And so we let you have a cigar a few times this summer. Uh, be done with it. That's all gone now. That's all done. And then the drinking part was don't drink underage. It's a simple thing. You drink and you're underage, you're going to get sent home. Don't be stupid. And again, it's one of those things where, okay, in the privacy of our own home, you can have a sip of wine or a sip of beer, but that's not this. Just don't do it. Make and keep a commitment. And then sleep enough at night, right? I said, if, you, if you're just like hanging out all hours with your buddies or playing basketball or whatever, and you're thinking, oh, you know what, I'll just, I, don't need a, I don't need a lot of sleep. Well, the next morning, it'll be hard to get up. You're going to set yourself up for a lousy day. And in fact, you're going to end up getting tired and you're missing out on the, the bigger deal, like studying, like being attentive in class. And then your room. Keep it clean and in order. Clean and in order. And I reference this. Hey, remember growing up in our home? What did I do? I got up early enough to get the house clean and in order for you guys so that you could just flow into the house. You know how you feel disjointed on the inside when your room is messy or the house was messy and not in order. So just make it a daily habit. Keep it clean and in order. And then the last one was your appearance. You know, good, good hygiene and dress. Dress for success, right? Dress like, uh, like you're you want to show up someplace. You're not just gonna uh, just be lazy and put on sweatpants and a t-shirt and a brush through your hair and just show up in class. No, no, no. Enter the day ready. So, in each of these things, I would have my junior like speak into it as well. Does this make sense? What do you think about that? So that was super helpful. The second was spiritual, like this foundational one, this personal one. Like if you're gonna eat well. You're going to get enough sleep, keep your room in order, and you care about your appearance. That's grace builds on nature, right? That's just a great human nature thing to get you launched. So the spiritual, I said, look, daily prayer. Daily prayer. I said, have daily prayer, but be quiet. Have some silence in that daily prayer. And then I said, have a Bible. Read God's word. Let God's word get soaked into you. And then I said, visit the port. Visit the, uh, the Portiuncula. It's 24 hours a day. It's op open. Adoration. And then or the Blessed Sacrament's there. Or the chapel when it's open. Right? And so I said, do that. Maybe just take your prayer time in the port so you can be quiet. Bring a Bible. And you can be in the presence of the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. You can read the scriptures and you can be quiet. And then the other one was daily rosary. I said, it's not going to make sense. You've prayed a daily rosary very often for years in our home. But... It maybe didn't mean a lot to you. I said, just trust. It'll mean more to you if you just keep at it. And Mary Catherine, is that true as a junior? She said, yes. I said, you heard what Mary Grace has said, her old, their oldest sister. Yes. It's very powerful. So just be willing just to invest in it even when it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I'm like, Mass. Can you make Mass three times a week? Sunday and then two other days during the week. They have four Mass four times a day. 
they, they do that so that the students can make it. I said, be intentional. When are you going to do it? What days? What does it fit into your schedule? And then I said, confession, twice a month. Twice a month. Why? You'll cleanse your soul. You don't want to carry around guilt. You don't want to carry around shame. You don't want to feel bad. Go to confession. Get that soul clean. And you'll feel just so much better about yourself. And then lastly, community. What about a household? What about a spiritual director? And so glad. Uh, one of the nice things was is having a junior there, Mary Catherine, was helping our kids understand and get introduced to these households. Again, households are about being intentional. A group of girls or a group of guys who are in pursuit of a particular theme of spirituality, like Mary Catherine's in what's called TTM, Totus Tuus Mariae, uh, and which is all about being dedicated to the Blessed Mother and praying a daily rosary. And so there are her sisters that are part of that fraternity that help her support and encourage and hold her accountable. And then schoolwork, right? I said, look, respect your class schedule. Respect it, meaning take a look ahead. What's happening tomorrow? What time is my class? Where is my class? What room is it in? Do I know how to get there? Do I know how long it's going to take? Um, and then what's coming up in terms of assignments this week and tomorrow? I don't want to be caught off guard. So you want to either get ahead or keep up. Get ahead when you can and keep up at a minimum. I said, and if you do fall behind, because you probably will, I said, make small decisions to catch up. Small decisions to catch up. And then I said, good study habits. Do homework first. Do it first. Don't just put it off till the end. Um, and then where? Choose where you're going to do your homework. So you don't have to try to figure out where am I going to do my homework. But create a space for it. And then minimize cramming. I said, why? In cramming, you're just going to learn something for the sake of passing a test or a quiz, and then you're going to quickly forget it. But many of your t many of your classes are progressive in their content, and if you're cramming, then you're going to end up with a weak link in the chain of trying to grow progressively in math or science, and you're building these concepts. And then I said, ask for help. Ask your professor, ask your classmates, ask your siblings, or ask a tutor. But if you can't figure it out, ask for help. And then the, the, I'll just the other two, the next two really quickly, work out. I said, I don't know when you're going to work out, but figure out a personal regimen. What time of day, what day of the week, who will you work out with, what's it going to be? And then intramurals, right? I actually backed away from the idea of even having these kids consider being part of a college sport. I'm like, there's so much other stuff that I want for them. I don't want them to play on the college team. I'd rather have them just play intramurals, get good exercise and have fun without being totally absorbed in a college sports team. And then work. I didn't put down the number of hours a week, but I said, get a job on campus. You want to have some spending money. And I said, don't settle for excuses on why you couldn't work, why you didn't get assigned, how come you don't have hours. Don't settle for excuses. Last thing was friends. And I said, you guys have the great gift of having each other. So support, encourage, and challenge each other. Be open to that. And then I said, choose your friends wisely. Make sure they have the right mindset the right attitudes, and the right behaviors. And for the boys, find a mentor. And Mary Catherine had um, one of her guy friends that was older that's a great guy. She's like, they would be, he'd be a great mentor for you. And then I said, don't isolate, and, you know, either on a phone or a computer, playing games or just on social media. Don't isolate. Don't date. You're too young, at least the first semester. And then I said, have fun while you're here. But we didn't send you here to have fun. Have fun while you're here, but we didn't send you here to have fun. So that was the guidance I gave to my kids. I thought I would share it with you. Hope you found that helpful. Um, but boy, what a, 
amazing summer and what a beautiful culmination in getting my kids launched at Franciscan University and just reflections that just kind of flowing out of me in terms of the way in which parents you're making decisions now when your kids are in grade school where they're studying what high school they're in especially choose classical and then you get them to the Benedict Option College like Franciscan University of Steubenville. All right God bless your day. Join me tomorrow.